know how to follow that. I'm not as bouncy or as energetic or... But he, he says, well, let's give Charles a hand. Isn't he a great... He's a great leader for our community. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's, it's incredible being part of such a healthy, functional church. Now, I've got a handout for you today. So if you didn't get one on your way in, will you stick your hand up? We've got our host, at least two of them. Maybe someone jump up and give them a hand. Just keep your hand up. You'll get a little bit of a guide. We're going to talk today around our theme. Uh, if you haven't been with us recently, and for those who are joining us online as well, we've been doing this this idea around strong faith through hard questions. So, of course, all of us, no matter how old we are, what sort of background we come from, what ethnicity, what roles we play in life, anything like that, all of us have challenges to our faith from time to time because life throws up things in our heads and in our hearts that actually can take us away from our relationship with God. And so we shouldn't avoid hard questions. So we've talked about a number of things, and you can go to our YouTube channel if you've missed any of them want to catch up. Today's our last one, and we're going to talk about unforgiveness and forgiveness. Because is that not one of the hardest things to navigate in life, right? It's so hard. And I, I know from my own personal experience, I am both a person, and this, this will be you too, we are both people that have hurt other people and they need to forgive us. Sometimes it was unintentional. Sometimes it's very intentional. But I'm also, and we are also, a person who has been hurt by somebody else. And those wounds that we carry, well, they're so deep. They can keep us restricted to the point where we don't function and live through this life as we should. So, hard Hard questions. We're not going to avoid them. We're going to talk about the issue of forgiveness and unforgiveness today. Um, and we are going to hear from uh, one of our most amazing, sweet, beautiful, Linda Fotonopoulos. She's going to share some of her story around this subject. And you, you, you're really going to be moved because we can all relate. It doesn't matter how strong we think we are or how good or difficult life's been for any of us. We can all relate to unforgiveness. So let, let me go to the next slide for me. Thank you. Here's, here's the biggest question I want to throw at you this morning. One of the troubles is because relationships are so difficult at times to navigate, you've been hurt by family members, by close friends, by work colleagues, often by the people you don't expect that's going to injure you, right, emotionally. That often hurts the deepest. But, so what's God's plan? That's the question, right? Because if you're new to church or you've never been to a service like this before, what, the main focus that we do at this point in our gathering every week is we come around um, the scriptures, the holy scriptures that God has given to us and consider our lives from a spiritual point of view, not just from a physical point of view, not just from an emotional point of view. Doesn't unforgiveness sit in the emotional space, right? Not just from our thinking or our thoughts point of view. Doesn't unforgiveness sit up here as well, right? When you've been hurt by somebody and you see them or someone mentions their name, what goes through your head, right? So, but what we do is say there's a God that absolutely loves us. He created us. The world's not functioning as it should. I'm not functioning as it should. But because of his love, he, is, he has given us the instructions of how to consider life from a spiritual point of view 
that actually brings real freedom, transformation and release. We're not stuck with the thoughts that run in our head about, should I forgive? They don't deserve it. If, if other people only knew what they were really like. Or we're not stuck with the feelings of how horrible that person is. And if I ever see them again, as Pastor Charles said in our prayer meeting this morning, I punch them in the nose. Who was there for that prayer meeting? That's the, that's the best, that's the best pre-service prayer meeting I've ever been to. When your senior pastor says you can punch someone in the nose and then ask them to forgive you because Greg's talking about forgiveness. That's what happened. But anyway, I'll move on. So this is spiritual stuff, right? It's not just you're a spiritual being. You may not realise it, but God has a plan when your relationships go wrong. That plan is called forgiving them. But how on earth do we do it? Heck, because that's tough. It's difficult. And so let's go to a Bible verse that Linda's going to share. You're going to see Linda's story on video and then she's actually going to come up and share with us as well. Let's, if you've got your Bibles there and it'll come up on the screen, it's in Matthew chapter 6. And again, if you're not familiar with the Bible, Matthew is a disciple. He personally knew Jesus and followed Jesus around as Jesus taught and did healings and talked about God and way before he went to um, the cross. Matthew knows Jesus. He was part of the original team of what we call the disciples. And he, in, when we get to Matthew chapter 6, so Matthew's sort of written his memoirs, his, his, his memories of spending his time with Jesus before he died. And that's what we call the Gospel of Matthew. And it's, it's broken up into chapters. And in Matthew chapter 6, we, we sort of land in the middle where Matthew has sort of, it's called, for those of you who have been in church life for a little time, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Sue and I have actually been to where Jesus gave this talk. Um, it's, it's not really a big mount. When we think of mount, we think of mountain, right? It's actually literally on the shores of the Lake Galilee. And there's a, there's a hill there. And so the crowd sat on the hill and Jesus actually gets into Peter's boat and it's just a little bit of wind that carries his voice up the hillside. And there's, like estimated, thousands of people were listening to this talk that Jesus gives. So it's nicknamed the Sermon on the Mount because of the hillside where the crowd was sitting listening to Jesus say these words. But here's what I want you to know before we, we grab the verse itself. Jesus says, if you come to know God, it's got to have ethical implications for how you're living. That's really the whole... I'm summarising the Sermon on the Mount because he gives... It's like one topic after another, little insights, one from another, where he says... Well, if you're in relationship with God, you can't live like you used to live. It's, it's got to change your behaviour. It's got to change the way you treat other people. There are ethical implications if you think that you're in a relationship with God. You can't just, you know, it's not, as Charles said before, it's not religion. We don't do religion. Some people do. But for us, it's a relationship with God. And so if I've experienced God's forgiveness in my life, what does God expect me to do with what he just gave me called forgiveness? So there's a whole lot of other teachings around giving, praying, divorce, you know, all that sort of stuff, swearing oaths, telling the truth. But this one little passage, well, we're going to read it together and then we should get a pair of scissors and we're going to cut it out and never read it again because it's so hard to do. It's very hard to do. 
So chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Just go to that next slide for me. And so, but if you've got your own translations there. So this is, what, this, is, this is Jesus speaking to thousands on a hillside, and this is what he says. If you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It's this next verse. Just If you've got a black pen, just scribble it out. But if you don't forgive people their sins, right, their debts, their offences, if you don't forgive other people, then, then God, your Father, will not forgive your offences. Well, hang on a minute. Who put that in there? That, that should, that's got to be removed. Now, easy to read. And we've been singing, we re-surrender. You know, it is well with my soul. But then when you leave here and you see the person that upset you the other day, and you want to go and wring their neck. It's not that well with your soul, and you haven't re-surrendered, right? And you certainly haven't, you certainly haven't done what Jesus says in Matthew 6.15. If you don't forgive, then you're not forgiven. Well, what do you do with that? Let's be honest. What do you do with that when everything within you doesn't want to forgive? Can't forgive. That's how you feel, right? Sometimes that's how I feel. Can't forgive that person. Why would Jesus tell me or link my forgiveness that I get free from God? We call it grace and mercy, undeserved love from God. You, don't, you can never earn God's forgiveness or love. He doesn't expect you to. You just take it. He's offering it. So how can we take that and then be unforgiving towards those that injure us deeply? And we're not minimising the wounds that we carry. And Jesus clearly links it here, right? Let's not... We can't, haven't got time to fluff around today, I'm sorry. He clearly commands us, expects us, if we're in relationship with God through Jesus, you have to forgive those who have wounded you. In fact, he links it to the forgiveness that we have through God, which we're going to unpack just in a few minutes. So let's, let's define forgiveness because I think here's part of the problem. Again, in, in church circles, um, in the last particularly the last three, four hundred years, forgiveness has been talked around the emotional side. So you know that phrase, well, I might be able to forgive, but I'll never forget, right? We often link, I think in the Western world, we, we've linked forgiveness to how we feel. But actually, when we read these words of Jesus, what we just read, right? If, you, you know, if your heavenly Father forgives you, then, then you better forgive others. It's not an emotional word. That word forgiveness that Jesus used and that, that Matthew writes down for us um, so we can reread it and put it into practice has n- nothing to do with emotions. But when we hear it, that's often what we link it to, I think, naturally because of the culture that we sit in. Foreign to the original readers and not what Jesus was thinking when he said it and it's not what Matthew was thinking when he wrote it for future generations to read and practice. So the actual original word, which was written in a different language to English, this, this, this writing was written in an old form of Greek. The word that was used there actually has no feeling to it attached whatsoever. In fact, it's a legal, judicial statement. Right? So it literally means to just let someone off, off the charge. Now, you, I know most of you think I'm very intelligent. I'm not. Because when I looked up all these Greek meanings in my theological resources, it had the word there, requital. I had no idea what that word meant. I had to go to an English dictionary (laughs) and look up requital. But what it means is you don't hold it against their charge anymore in a legal sense. 
Now, here's the fascinating sense. In terms of words have broad meanings, it's not just like the word forgiveness here we're talking about. It doesn't just mean I have to feel warm and fuzzy towards them from now on. Because you may not, but you can still forgive them. What, what this word that was used here, now listen to this. This word appears 147 times in the New Testament. In, so half or you know, a third of the Bible, the New Covenant that talks about Jesus and our relationship with God is called the New Testament. The word that Matthew and Jesus uses here is actually about leaving something behind. That's literally what it means, right? So that's why the definition you can see on the screen and in your notes there, it's giving up the claim to be compensated for the injury that someone's caused you. It's giving up the claim of actually retaliating because you feel hurt, so you're going to go back and hurt them. It doesn't, doesn't mean you don't feel that way. It means you give up the claim or the right or the legality to do so. In fact, this word is not often translated as forgiveness in English in your Bible. It's often translated as abandon. Now, hang on a minute. Divorce. So just take that for a moment. Just pause for a minute. So forget how you feel and think. You've probably already got someone in your head you need to forgive. Can you divorce yourself from the charge you've got against them? That's almost a better way of phrasing it. Now, yes, you, are, you have feelings. Those feelings are genuine and valid. But if you let those feelings dictate your decision, then you can't practice Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 because your feelings are, well, they're deceptive. You've made judgments prior in your life, like I have, based on a feeling and have got yourself into a bit of pickle because you've made some pretty poor choices but you felt that felt good at the time. And yet why do we trust our feelings when it comes to forgiveness when in other areas of life we can already pull out circumstances in our own personal history where our feelings have got us into a lot of trouble when we make decisions solely based on that? So when we read this verse, this passage today, where it says if you don't forgive, if you don't divorce the charge you've got against that person, then God's not going to divorce his charge he's got against you. Again, I'm going to explain how that connects because you might be thinking, well, do I have to earn God's forgiveness? No, you don't. I'm going to explain that in a minute. So let's go to the next slide because his, you know, before I introduce Linda, he's part of the challenge for us, right? As, as someone who is, is a Christian and following God's instruction for living, we've experienced God's forgiveness personally. We know God has forgiven us as a free gift. He expects nothing in return. But that's our challenge then, is how do we pass it on to other people when we expect something in return that have wounded us, traumatised us? How do we do that? That's, so this is, this is the trouble, right? As a Christian, I've experienced God's forgiveness. I know it's there. I know it's true. I'm living in the freedom of that forgiveness right now and it has ethical implications to how I live. But then my challenge is I have to forgive all those people that have intentionally harmed me deeply when I feel I can't do it. And that's, this is where I think this is the dichotomy that some of us live in. In fact, I think most of us at some point will experience it. So it's our, it's our experience personally, God's forgiven us, but it's our challenge then. We're supposed to pass that forgiveness on to other people who don't deserve it. Because we didn't deserve God's forgiveness. 
This is sort of the, it's interwoven, that, that, that idea that Jesus is teaching there about Father's forgiveness of you and then your forgiveness of those who offend or, or hurt you. It's intertwined here because you've received it, so now you're supposed to pass it on. Forget how you feel. It's a legal, judicial decision to not go after them for compensation or to get back at them. doesn't mean you're going to hug them. Or trust them. Some people have hurt me, don't deserve my trust. And they've fallen, they're, they're so fractured or dysfunctional themselves, I'm not going to let them back into that space. But that doesn't mean I haven't forgiven them, right? But see, this is some of the faulty, I think our world's idea of forgiveness doesn't help us from a spiritual, mature Christian point of view around forgiveness. So the Bible teaches us that our personal experience... <laughs> of being completely forgiven by God is supposed to translate, this is what Jesus is saying, translating to us being willing to forgive. Now, this is not in your notes, but I want you to write this down, right? If you've got a pen or pull out your phone, if you're taking notes on your phone. Here's something I haven't put in there that I think what Jesus is teaching us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, is that we're supposed to be agents of forgiveness. That's the phrase, right? Write that down. You're supposed to be an agent of forgiveness because you've already received it from God. So if you've got it, undeserved, unmerited, can never earn it, then you're supposed to now be able to pass that on to other people who don't deserve it, don't deserve it, unmerited. There's this link here, and that's what Jesus is intertwining in his teaching around us forgiving. And so here's another phrase I'm going to give you that's not in your notes. Forgiveness is a cycle. We're supposed to repeat the cycle with personal experience with God. In fact, we just we had the biscuit, we had the juice that represents the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is God's action of forgiveness. God didn't God's forgiveness as us of the whole human race was not based on how we felt about it. It wasn't based on how we felt about the fall about disobedience, about rebellion, about idolatry, about all those things that most Christians understand. It was an act of love. Yeah. That's, this is the thing. So going back to that Greek idea of divorce or separation, forgiveness in the biblical text is not a feeling, it's an action. You act in a loving manner even though you don't feel like that other person deserves your loving manner. It's an action. And so we get this repeated right throughout Scripture. I've got two other verses on your notes there. Ephesians 4.32. I'm, all I'm doing here is showing you this is a common thread teaching. It's not just in Matthew 6 that we read. Paul, who went and planted churches through Turkey and, and the Greek islands and all that sort of stuff in the first century, he writes to these churches, where the letters get their names from, so Ephesus um, is what we call the book of Ephesians. But when Paul wrote to that church, he wrote here in verse 32 of chapter 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving, so remember the word separate yourself or divorce yourself from it, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's the same link that Jesus made. As you forgive others, your heavenly Father forgive you. And now Paul takes that teaching and sort of stretches it a bit more or almost makes it it's more practical in its application. He's saying, well, just as God forgave you through Jesus, you now have to forgive everyone else. And in Colossians 3.13, so again, it's a church in Colossae um, in, in ancient Turkey. It says, bear one, with one another, forgive 
as the Lord forgave you. So this is a constant teaching, right? Now here's the struggle. I understand that all of you are sinners and do terrible things, but I can justify my wrong things. Now you said that in your head. You didn't hear that from my voice. That's your head telling you. I understand Greg's a terrible sinner. He's done some awful things. But I can explain why I did my bad things and not as bad as Greg's. Now, isn't that what we do when someone hurts us? Well, God, I understand I'm not perfect, but for goodness sake, what they just did to me doesn't deserve it, right? So here's the challenge. You're deceiving yourself about the depth of your own dysfunction and depravity because your emotions are lying to you. You deserve exactly the same punishment that you want to give that other person, but God, out of a free gift, forgave you. And so this is part of the, the sort of the rationale that we explain in our own heads on why that person doesn't deserve it. And people can do, you know, again, I'm not glossing over the, the, the trauma and the pain because I've experienced it myself that can happen, you know, through abuse or through... Um, deception or, you know, at work or... You know, I mean, horrible things happen in relationships. But this is God's plan for you to be free. The other person may not even know whether you've forgiven them or not. In fact, half the time, the people that have really wounded me, they wouldn't... They, they've never spoken to me again or they don't want to have anything to do... Uh, it doesn't... They wouldn't... They could be living their life really happily and all that stuff. I'm the one in the misery when I'm... Un, when I'm, cause I'm carrying the burden of unforgiveness. It's not affecting them. And that... This is what I think God wants us to understand is the rationale that you have in your head when someone hurts you and it's really not as bad as what I did to so-and-so a few years ago. It is. Because if you miss the mark... In relationships, you've missed it. doesn't matter whether you missed it a little bit. You know, it's like a bullseye or whether you, they missed it by that much. So you, there's the trouble. We think they've missed it this much or I've only missed it that much, God. Right? We rationale our own dysfunctional behaviour and destructive words and we rationale it away in our own heads and forget we're just as guilty as everybody else. We're both victims and perpetrators at the same time, all the time. That's why we need God's forgiveness. And that's why Jesus says, you better start practicing what you just received yourself. So really, I mean, again, for those of us who are Christians, how dare we come before God who's forgiven us and complain about the person that's hurt us? Do you get the... It's incongruent, right? When God's gave his one and only son to be tortured and put to death on our behalf and then we complain about what the neighbour just said or did or what the guy at work said or did or what you know, the person driving in front of me did. Or it, it, that's, that's, the, that's the dilemma here. I better keep moving. I'm like Charles, I've taken too long. So here's, here's the next thing. you got it on your notes. It's going to come up on the next slide. Forgiveness is reciprocal. Now, I want to be very careful here because sometimes when you read chapter Matthew 6, verse 15, if you don't forgive people their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. In, in the medieval times, some, some Christians started teaching that as if you earn God's forgiveness when you forgive those that hurt you. But that's not what Jesus is teaching. That is, that is in error. 
We can never earn God's forgiveness. It's freely available to anybody all of the time. We know that through the rest of the biblical teaching. So it's always grace and mercy. But here, here's the, it's, it's interwoven, intertwined. Your experience of God's forgiveness and then our response to that is to now let other people off the hook who have deeply wounded or hurt us. It's inter- those two things are connect- interconnected. It's almost like Jesus is saying, well, once you've experienced God's forgiveness yourself, you can't help but not go and pass it on to other people. Right? So go to, the, go to the, the next slide. So I'm not suggesting we earn for God's forgiveness ever. We do not. But here's the thing. What about forgiveness in your life and my life? So the trouble is forgiveness, is, you know, when you become a Christian and you start to follow Jesus and come to church or join a small group, it's not just about being converted to a religion. Now, in some circles, that's like the experience that takes place and that you have to do certain things to be part of that church. And in, in, in our understanding of the Holy Scriptures is anyone who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus was the Son of God and died for their sins becomes a child of God. It's, it's, that, it's clearly that simple. And there's no other hoop you have to jump through. You come just as you are, imperfect, broken, dysfunctional, But then that conversion, that's what we often call conversion, right? Where you have an experience with God. But if you just stay at that point and never spiritually mature or grow, you just carry the same dysfunctions and Christianize them. Right? We just come up with Christian terminology on why we can't forgive, why we don't forgive, why we shouldn't forgive, why that person doesn't deserve it. And part of our maturity is God setting us free by following his example. So his, his, I think, the issue, it's, it's about becoming a disciple. Now, that, that's a fancy, and that's an old word for meaning the teachings or live in the way that Jesus said we should live around forgiveness. Walk out your life according to what he says is the best way to live your life. And that's why we gather together and talk about spiritual things. Forgiveness is a spiritual thing. It's not an emotional thing. So now we're going to hear from Linda. And Linda told me her story um, some time ago and I said to her then, we've got to get you to share it with the church one day. And it's also John's story, but we've, we've pushed John off to the side today. He, will, he can tell his version, which is very valid and real because you'll, you'll hear some incredible... Now, how many people know Linda, by the way? Put your hand up if you know Linda. If you don't know this story, you're going to be shocked at what happened to them on their wedding day. So just watch this video and then Linda's going to come up and share. Old day I'll never forget. It's just no words can ever describe the way that I felt on that day. The day that I, like a day that a girl waits for the rest all their lives and the preparation of a wedding and everything ran smoothly in the morning and uh, I was there with my dad and as I was walking down the aisle, I could hear screams in the background and I thought someone had hurt themselves. But there were screams of anger, um, screams of someone being um, just hurt. Um, And then I found out there was pulling of hair and, and punching friends of mine, my guests, 
and the person who was doing this was my mother-in-law. And I had to um, walk down this aisle with my husband not even looking at me, um, very distraught. Uh, the, the, the smile on my face had gone to sorrow. Um, my whole body was very weak, as if I was going to pass out down the aisle and, and not one glimpse of my husband looking at me and the fear that we both fell in. Meanwhile, my mother-in-law was dragged out of the church by the priest ordering two male men to be dragged out and she was still screaming. Her shoes, take, her shoes flying up in the air, her whole gown was distorted and all I could think of was this is my wedding day that I prepared and to have the rest of my life, the memories and what memories I've been left with. So it was devastating. You look good, John. The reason why my mother-in-law didn't want my, John or myself to get married was, one, I wasn't Greek. Two, I'd been married before, which was a big no-no. Three, I was older than John, and so nothing ticked her boxes. Had got nothing to do with her son or myself. And that was the reason. She couldn't come to terms that her son was going to get married to a woman that she didn't want in the family. Going back to why John didn't look at me while I was walking down the aisle, well, he was really quite frightened. The fear that was going through his body was that he thought that his dad was going to come into that church and shoot us both in the back, or shoot me and not him. Prior to John and I getting married, there was an incident with my father-in-law. Um, that happened one evening when I finished work in the pharmacy and I was approached by him. What he was actually said to me for me to not see his son at all. And um, if I had, if I do go keep seeing him, he will actually, he actually threatened me to shoot me, which he is definitely capable of doing. Well, after the ceremony, John and I were um, in the gardens and that's when it actually hit me. It hit me like nothing had hit me before. And I thought, I can't do this. I, put him, I took him aside. We're doing some photo shoots for the wedding and I, I couldn't do it anymore. I just fell in a heap. And I put him aside, I brought him to a side and I said to him, I can't do this, John. And he said, yes, you can. He goes, because you're the love of my life and no one can take you away from me. And no one is and no one ever will. We're married now and, and that's it. From that moment on, I knew that I had him and I knew that I could continue this no matter what, because that's all I needed to hear. He was on my side. We'd been married now like two years had gone and then it started again, the birth of my child, birth of my beautiful baby daughter. Um, when I was in hospital and I gave birth to her, she came in to visit and the whole room was full of visitors. Everyone was there, the joy, everyone laughing, a beautiful baby girl, and she walked in. She walked in and screams and she was angry. She was um, abusing John with words that indescribable and the hurt that I had in my heart once again. She'd hurt me so much. She hurt me through my wedding. She hurt me through my, the child of my birth. They're the most, two most important things in someone's life. 
So the reasons why she was hysterical was um, because I hadn't given her name to Gabriella. She had thought that I'd given my uh, mum's name and John had spoken. He goes, no, why would I give her your name for what you've done to us? I've given it to the name that I've picked for her. So she was also dragged out of the hospital from the staff and told her not to come back ever again. And what did she do? She came back the next day and she sat next to my bed and I just couldn't believe it. She kept coming back. She kept on haunting me and I think, why is she doing this to me? Why? And I was in hospital for 10 days with infection and they actually banned her for not coming in. And these troubles continued. Um, not only that she uh, resented me and John not naming um, Gabriella after her, my father-in-law hadn't seen her for two years, didn't want a bar of her. And then um, I actually changed that. I, John needed to see his mum and dad with the, my, my daughter. And I actually said to John, we need to go and see you. So I stepped up a bit, although it was really hard, but I needed to do it for John. But it really hurt me because I felt like I was giving up, that she'd won the battle. And then um, going on a few years again, uh, the, the birth of my son, she was very resentful again, um, again because of the name. Another incident in our lives again that I had to um, tolerate. And I knew this wasn't good for the marriage. Um, it was eating at my soul, eating at my soul. It was um, the happiness had gone and I knew that I had to process this somehow and then I had done a course um, with, with Alpha. I was invited to do an Alpha. I was just at a home doing it, but I didn't get a great deal, not enough for me to get what I wanted. And um, then I was, uh, my sister-in-law, who's a Christian, rang me and I mentioned it to her that I can't, you know, I need to do something else. I need to do this something. I don't know what it was, but I needed to grab onto something to make it work. And she said to me, why don't you do BSF, which is Bible Study Fellowship? And I said, okay, I'd never heard of it again. And at this stage, I wasn't a Christian. For all these years at bars, I wasn't a Christian. So uh, I ended up doing BSF and I'd been doing BSF for a few years. And I did see a change in myself, but it wasn't until I did Matthew. Matthew 6. Chapter 14, I always remember that day when I was reading the passage, tears came down in my eyes and it said, how can I forgive you if you don't forgive others? I said, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Lord, what are you asking me to do? This is going to be so hard. How can I forgive what she's done to me? But he kept on saying, how can I forgive you, Linda, if you cannot forgive others? and the hurt that I was feeling. But it wasn't a hurt, it was more a release factor. He made it sound so easy. So all I had to do, he said to me, is just love on her. Oh boy, how am I gonna love her? Oh Lord, what are you asking me to do? How am I gonna do this? How? You need to do this. You need to do this, Linda. You not only need to do it for yourself, but you need to do it for God. This is what God asked me to do. I had to be obedient to him. I had to. 
and I had to be an example to my children. So I had to show love. And boy, it wasn't easy. It was a process. How did I do that? How do I do that? Lord, how do I do that? Lean on me. I will guide you. I will strengthen you. I will comfort you. Oh Lord, please, please, how? Well, it wasn't easy, but slow steps. How did I do that? I called her mum. That's a big thing. I rang her. I gave her gifts for Mother's Day. Um, anything that I could do, I, I gave to her. When I greeted her, I hugged her, I talked to her. I had to show her love, but every time I walk into that place, I had to pray. God, give me strength. God, let me get through this. And he did. Every time it worked, but it was a long process, a long process. And everyone used to say to me, how could you forgive that lady for what she's done? I said, I needed to do it for my family. I needed to do it for my future. I said, even though I wanted her to forgive me, that wasn't for her to say sorry, but that wasn't going to happen. She was, she was stronger than that. She's no, no, you know. But deep down in her heart, I knew she loved me because she used to cook for me, cook different meals for me, bring things home for John, saying this is a bag for fruit and veggies for Linda, you know, anything. She bring food. That was the way her, the way that she showed that she was sorry. And you know what? That was enough for me because I could see the difference with me and her. I could see the difference with my family. I can see the difference in the relationship with John. So it was all worth it. I would define forgiveness as surrender. Just surrender. Because without forgiveness, you can't move on with life. Because in the back of your mind, when you see a person you don't like, you get all stirred up in your, in your heart, you get angry, even though you shouldn't be, but you do, it just happens. But just surrender to God, give it to God. You know, you've got to move on with life. You can't hold this burden, such a heavy burden on your shoulder and you walk with every day and it affects you. You just let go, surrender to the Lord, give it to the cross. It's not easy, but it gets, it does, God makes it easier for you. Wow, what a story. Come up, Linda. Let's welcome Linda as she comes. Now, I have to say, I mean, again, for most of us know you so well, we would never have guessed that was your journey. And so I know you're used to speaking in front of thousands of people. This is a small gathering. But I know you've got some things on your heart. Just lead us. Yeah, they'll turn it on, the boys. Turn it on. It's the blue one. One, wasn't it? You know, every time I've I've watched that um, clip a couple of times, and every time I I watch it, it's not easy. But God gave me the strength. You know, and look what, look where I am now. Look where He's put me now. So I had to go through that journey to share my testimony to each one of you in here. Because each person in here has got someone, somebody, even in the past, 
that that person could have even passed away and you still got resentment. Get rid of it. It's all not about that person. It's about yourself and God above. We are Christians. We believe in that. That's what we're here for. And we're here to be an example to others because we are not going to be stable and and stagnant because we've got to teach others what God has done to us and our lives. Now, further on from this story, my dear mother-in-law passed away. I loved her dearly. She is a mother of my, my husband, which I adore. And we had the privilege to go in the ICU and sit with her and pray. I stroked her head. You know, in this room, you've got to think. She's on this table. Her body is reacting. Her body is not still. Her body is moving. And in this room, there's doctors and nurses looking on. And John and I had the privilege to pray for her. And as I prayed for her, this woman who had given me so much grief, but I had so much love, I stroked her head and I said to her, and the Lord said to me, It's okay. It's okay. Why was the Lord putting these words in my mouth? Because you know why? Because she was saying, I'm so sorry, Linda. I'm so sorry what I put you through. And it doesn't matter anymore. Not because she's passed away. Because what she's given me right here, right now, because I'm a child of God and I have to be obedient to his words. You know, what a blessing is to go through this journey and the process of forgiveness. You know, that is a true blessing. And another, my father-in-law, who's 92, the man who was going to shoot me, and he would have. He would have. Trust me, old Greek traditional man. You know, I love him. Not very long ago, John was in a, a journey with him, going somewhere. And John came home and he said to me, you know what, Linda? I was talking to Dad, and he said to me, you know what he said whatever happened happened John you know your woman Linda she's a good woman you know and that's enough for me that was enough for me to show that he loved me and another time another incident not very long ago John came home from a visit to see his dad and he came home and he said This is for you. 
He laid it on the bench. It was my birthday. And it was an envelope. And in that envelope, he had put a gift, money. So this 92-year-old man had got off his seat, his couch, that evening, went to find an envelope, put some money in it, sealed it and gave it to me. No card. That was the best ever present that I had received because that showed me that he was sorry. So what a difference it can be in someone's life. You know, what a blessing. You know, it's funny that not very long ago, actually during the week, I didn't mention this to John, the girl that I was working with, she was training another girl and she was a bit corrupt, a bit, you know, do this, do that, do this, how come you do that? And I went back in the back and she came back and said to me, Linda, was I a little bit harsh? And I just looked at her, just looked at her. You know what she did? She went back into the shop and she said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. Because God uses me as a vessel, just like Greg had said. So don't you think something small like that causes such an amazing shift in someone's life? How blessed are we? So when God asks you to forgive, you don't forgive for yourself, you forgive for Him because He died on that cross for us. He died on the cross. Not that He only died, He, he was slaughtered, He was whipped, like I said through my communion message one day. So we have to be, you know, we have to be obedient to our Lord and surrender because I know everyone's gone through something and everyone's still going through right now as we speak. Minds are happening, people coming through your minds. How can I do that? Just like Greg said, how can I forgive that person? They hurt me. I want them to hurt like I'm hurting. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. It's just about you and God. Now, if, if God was standing right here in human form and He said to you, can you go and forgive that per person? What would you do? You'd go. And you know what? God is standing right next to you. Right next to you. And He wants you to forgive. He wants to get on with your life. He wants you to have joy in your life and contentment. Get rid of that hurt and resentment about anyone. It could be abuse. It could be a child. It could be a, a, a marriage. It could be anything. It could be something small. It could be if you're angry with your husband for two days, you haven't spoken for two days. No. Get rid of it. Get on with your life. Enjoy it. I'm going to leave it at that. And God bless you all. And thank you for listening to me. God bless you. Stay Why don't we all stand together?
just want to um, remind you that the character of God meant that He forgave us. When you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, you're reflecting His character, not your own. You're reflecting your godly character, not the person's character that's hurt you. So just close your eyes for a moment. Father, we thank you that you've forgiven us freely. Hearing Linda's story and unpacking Jesus, your teachings, what what you want us to do with our unforgiveness. Right now we want to respond, put it into practice. And it's tough, God. We, we, sometimes we feel so much that we just can't do it. We can't let it go. It hurts too much. And so we're asking for your Holy Spirit to come right now and to minister into our lives.